Welcome back to the third and final part of this Leading People First podcast episode where we're talking with the amazing Celia Daniels. If you haven't already listened to parts one and two, be kind and rewind to listen to Celia's story, her work in corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the importance of allyship and community activism. In this part of the episode, we'll be talking about Christianity, Celia's intersectionality around ethnicity, religion, and culture, leading people first, and the importance of valuing human beings. Now let's dive into this final part of the episode. Well, I mean, this is a good segue. We we didn't, I didn't plan to talk about it, but this is a good, uh, since we're talking about it a little bit, talking about leadership specifically, uh, if I can talk about, you know, leading people first, right? What this podcast is all about is, is leading people mm-hmm. first. So, I mean, I would love to hear what you, when you hear that term leading people first, like, what does that mean to you? I think that's uh, more of putting people's um, causes or putting people in the forefront. You know, I and it's not telling people that, yeah, you know, just go and stand in the front. But when you see a person, you see through them. You know, I see you and I see your problems. I see your issues. I see how your pain and how you're going through. And when you understand a person as a whole, then that makes a huge difference. I'll give you an example. Um, when people look at me in Walmart, you know, the first thing they say is, hey, this is a trans person. You know, they don't know the intersectionalities that I carry, right? I'm a parent, actually. Um, I'm a musician. I'm a fun-loving person. I love uh, hiking. And so many things that I talked about in the beginning of our conversation. I've composed a lot of songs. I've hiked in the best places in the world. I worked on the first human genome project that came to India. And they don't know any of that, right? They don't know that I have a beautiful 20-year-old daughter who is my advocate, and I'm married, still married to a gender woman who loves me to death. <laughs> People don't see that. You know, they just see a trans person. And exactly like you said in the beginning of a conversation, that people just look at the color. They just look at the race. They look at the ethnicity. They look at your sexuality. They just look at you as a, hmm, you're gay. You're transgender, you're bi, and they don't look at me as a professional. You know, I am an entrepreneur. People don't see that that way. They don't know that I have so much of experience working for 20 plus years of experience in the, uh, as a strategist. Mm-hmm. You don't see it. And I think when they get to see um, people first, that I want to put you first, not because you are a valuable resource to my company, but I'm putting you first because you're an asset to the company. I don't want you to be a resource to the company, but you are an asset in the company. And when you treat people like assets, and that is so important, and that's so vital for the companies to grow, um, that I think um, the culture is slowly going away where they just hiring people and firing people because you know, they have an assignment and then they hire probably like 100 people and then once the project is done after two years, after the ERP implementation is done, they, they, they just don't treat you with value. You know, just go away. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. They don't try to deploy them in areas. So when you people put people first, you're always looking, when you're hiring those 100 people, you're looking at ways in which you're looking at your vision and your plan for the next five years in your company and thinking about, okay, these are the large engagements and this is how I want to utilize my resources. This is how I can elevate them. This is where I can leverage their experience. This is where I can open up some creative, innovative ideas, workshop, mm-hmm. 
and they can do things. You know, amazing things you can do when you put people first. And even in a community podcast like this, what you're doing is amazing because you're not talking about yourself. You're actually being a part of someone's issue. You're actually immersing into their issues and you're actually talking about it because that itself says, you know, how much this podcast means to you and how much it means to me a lot and to our listeners. Because that's one of the things that we are doing today is listening to each other's stories. And if you're listening to this call, I know you have an amazing story. I would love to listen to sometime when Chris invites you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's, I mean, you, you summed it up very well where leaders really need to see the, the individuals as a whole. They need to see them everything that's all encompassing and you do not see, you will not see that person from an interview. You will not see that person just based on their work experience. Even if you work with them and you see their body of work, you will not see the entirety of that person, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You share your story, Celia, and you, and people would not know what you've gone through at face, at face value. There's a Mm -hmm. lot more, uh, in that book that is that is Celia, right? It is is not just the cover. So it is very important for leaders to understand that and to then serve those individuals based on who they are as a complete person, right? You're not going to put a, um, I'll go back to the book analogy, right? It, on the cover, it might look like this is a sci-fi novel, but as you dig into it, you know, it's a, it's a romance. First of all, you wouldn't have known that if you had made it a judgment, you, you wouldn't have known that. But second, as you're managing that person or leading that person, uh, trying to figure out where that book would best fit in your library. If you had only judged it based on that cover, you would put it with the sci-fi <laughs> books and, and not the romance. Right. So now that's probably not the best analogy. It's a bit shallow, but <laughs> I mean, I think it gets, Whoa, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so it's it's really important. We need to have leaders stop stop for a minute. They need to slow down. They need to get to learn about their team and the people mm-hmm. around them. Because the more you can learn about them, the more likely you are to influence them, the more likely you are to be more successful in leading them. Right. There's going to be a lot less telling and it's a lot more empowerment it's going to be a lot more understanding you're you're just as a individual if you are managing people if you get to meet meet and learn about your team you're going to have a lot less of a struggle down the line getting them to to do their work uh because you understand where they're coming from and that you know again going back to the community part you know if you as a leader can engross yourself in your in the community in the organization's community um, you can show and really show your employees and the community that you are worth following you are worth being a part of you are you know they want to follow you so that's something that's really important absolutely yeah so i want to you know we have one more topic that i want to touch on um which, which I think is very, very interesting because I also grew up with a Christian background. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we want, I want to talk about Christianity and more on the intersectionality of Christianity and um, 
and being uh, and having the experiences that you've had and your race and ethnicity and and gender all of that how all of those layers come across but but let's talk about christianity why did you want to talk about it yeah i um i grew up as a christian and um now i grew up in a christian household where my father was the first convert right i mean he was a hindu and then he became a christian uh, when he was 14 years old not that he was young and he found uh, Christ during his younger days in life. And my mom and dad, they got married and they were the first uh, Christian family within our, uh, within their brothers and sisters. You know, a lot of them are, are, are Christians, but they were not uh, practicing Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents were a part of it and they were uh, always emphasizing the fact of, you know, trusting in God and being very, uh, I would say religious um, to a point where, we had to go to church and uh, I had to go to Sunday school. I did all that. I was baptized. Um, but I was kind of going with the flow at the time. But one thing I would say that if I did not have that 5% hope that God would not forsake me, I would have probably been dead. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting and talking today. The reason why I'm saying that is because I always had this hope that if God made me this way, you know, then why is he not taking care of it? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's actually something that I always used to think that um, when in Psalms it says, right, when David writes, he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have seen me in my mother's womb while my body was um, unformed, just being formed in the depths of the earth. And when he writes those, he writes at a point where he says, you know, these people are created, everybody, human beings are created, and God knows, and God has a purpose for us. To me, it mattered a lot, uh, because I always questioned, you know, if I was just a cisgender male, I would not have questioned my existence at all. I would have just gone with the flow. But I took those verses to my heart, and I said, God, really, did you make me like this? Why did you make me like this? You know, I'm struggling to be a boy and then I want to be a girl. And and it's not easy. You know, it's not that I, and I, then I, when I wear girls' clothes, I feel like I have sinned and I go back and I ask for forgiveness. And it's a, it's a cycle that keeps happening. And then I lose my, um, I have so much of, uh, I lose my self-confidence and I, and I have gone to the point of killing myself and, I didn't even think that I would survive. You know, all I wanted to do is, I just want to survive. And why is it so hard? And Bible tells me that I'm going to hell. No, actually, Bible doesn't tell you (laughs) that you're going to hell. And I really started taking the Bible and started reading the Bible in my second, um, second year in college. I started seeking for help. And when I was alone in my, in my dorm, um, I, there were times when I was so depressed and I couldn't be Celia because I had uh, three other roommates. <laughs> you know, we were all in a dorm and always having party and fun. And I was just confining to that. But deep inside, I was struggling because I wanted to express my femininity and I could not do it in a, in a boys' college. And I was struggling. So, you know, I was wearing a, a, a long... It's called a lungi. It's it's almost it's a it's a male um, garb. It's almost like a sarong. And uh, people in India they wear it. It's called veshti and um, or lungi. It's like a 
piece of cloth you wrap around your waist. You know, it's like a towel, but a little long. And I used to wear that and I used to think that that's my skirt. <laughs> you know, I was going through so much of gender dysphoria. And for me, um, religion was becoming irrelevant and the relationship was becoming relevant. I went to a point where I was looking for relationship and not religion. Because religion told me it was just laws and I need to follow these laws for God to love me. And relationship told me that I love this person and on, because I love this person, I'm going to be the best person I want to be. It's like my relationship with my father, my parents. And I thought to myself as to, I need to seek this person. It looks like God is actually not that bad. <laughs> you know, when I read the Bible, it was... It was a, such an eye-opener for me. And I started reading and I read the whole Bible, cover to cover. Um, mm -hmm. And then I read it again. <laughs> and I came to the point where uh, I, I read only through the Old Testament and I then stopped. But I, since I had read the Bible, I paused at various places and I marked. I was not just reading because I had to read. I literally read the Bible. I marked my Bible. And I wish I had my Bible with me, but every part of my Bible, I would have marked something. I would have written small notes on it because that's the way I read Bible. And when I started reading the Bible, the first thing that came to my mind was, God, can you please change me? I'm struggling today. I don't want to be a girl. I want to be a boy. Can you please change me? And that was my prayer every day, <laughs> almost every day. And I used to pray. And uh, I had music and other friends and a lot of distractions in my life just to keep me distracted for a while. But deep inside, I, whenever I go back to this dark place, the first thing that hits me is, God, please help me. I don't want to be a girl. Yeah. Because if I wear a skirt, then I, I think I'm sinning. That is how my relationship started with God. I was praying since college days. I would say maybe since um, 80s. 90s, nothing happened. I got married. I have, I had a daughter, and um, you know, after I got married, I just said, "God, please take this away because I'm getting married to a woman, and I can't be a woman. You know, it's not gonna work." Mm -hmm. And I prayed so hard. Um, I don't want this. Nothing happened. And I remember in Las Vegas, I had gone on a business trip. I was uh, sitting in my hotel room, and I was, I went around the city in a skirt. And I was so happy, you know, I was, I didn't even put on my makeup. I looked really bad. <laughs> I just slipped into a skirt at top and I was driving through Las Vegas and I came back to my room and I thought, why is it so hard for me to accept myself? And then my prayer actually changed. And I said, God, if you made me this way, then you take care of me. I'm not going to ask for anything else. And it took a while for me, almost 40 years of my prayer was always God change me. And then it said, God help me, change me to accept who I am. And when I started praying that way, I could see that God was really using me in different ways. I spoke about all the community work that I was doing. It's not because of the fact that I did it, but it's because that God wanted me to be in those areas. He wanted me to understand that. He wanted me to see the pain across different areas so that I could speak out powerfully about people who are like me, who are struggling like me. 
And God taught me something very unique. That um, when I say God taught me, I always, to me, it was a relationship that I built. You know, it was like I, I speak to this unconscious God, and I feel so happy. It was my therapy, in fact. If not for that relationship, sometimes I go and sit on the beach and I keep talking, talking, and talking to God. Of course, God doesn't talk to me, but to me it felt good because I knew God is listening, and that's all I wanted. I don't want God to talk to me, but I just wanted Him to listen. And then when I'm doing something, I could feel that God's hand was in my whatever I did, and so it was very unique for me. My experience was so different, and I was always. To me, being transgender and being a Christian was not two different poles apart. It's not South Pole. To me, it was one integrated person. If I did not have God in my life, I would have probably killed myself. I know I probably would have lost all hope. I would have been a I don't know. Uh, I wasn't a drug addict, but I would have, I was always looking at self harm. Um, I was looking at so many things that could. Um, demean me you know my my entire being it was that way and so i uh, believe that faith is so important to me god is so important to me even today i pray you know i pray that god thank you for making me a transgender person <laughs> i don't know why i pray that way but i it's so hard but if this is the way god made me uh, and god has taken care of me through lots of ups and downs uh, I've been in difficult situations. I I was in a situation where I would have been raped by a man in my car who got into my car. Mm-hmm. Um, but God was there; His hand was there, you know. Uh, and I, I I I've been in lots of places. I can keep on telling stories, but in places where I would have got hurt, where I would have probably got killed, I would have got abused, I would have got raped as a as Celia, and I was always being protected because God was with me. To me, that became a relationship, and to me, Christianity, or being a follower of Christ, is actually a relationship with Jesus, and that is why um, I am who I am today. I'm not perfect, but I'm a real person. I I think you. I mean, you summed it up perfectly right there. Is you know we're not perfect, right? We are we are humans. Right. Um, also, you know, growing up as a Christian, and we, we've talked about this before, but um, there's this like perverse human um, twist that humans have put on religion that, at the, that they've put on certain areas, right? And you see this all over the world. You see this in any religion where there is a twist that, that, uh, that occurs at some point. And... Um, it becomes just un- unrecognizable in that religion um, as well as just not the original intent. And, and religion has a, I think, unhealthy stranglehold on our minds, especially when we grow up with it, like you did, mm-hmm. where it's, you feel guilt for doing things that you have no control over. You feel guilt for things that were done to you that, again, you have no control over. And then you end up suppressing certain areas in your life, who you are, uh, hiding those facts uh, of who you are, um, becoming a victim and, and blaming yourself for what's happened. 
and it is it leads to a very unhealthy mental state and a traumatic state you're not only adding trauma or you're not only having to deal with the trauma but then you are also mentally having you're almost traumatizing yourself all over again because you feel like this is something that you did and that's not a healthy way uh to to go about it so i think that christianity or religion as a whole has a lot of work to do in that area and a lot of a lot of growth it needs to do in that area you know so i think that that's really that's unfortunate um but it's something that is needed yeah yeah absolutely i mean uh, for me i think one important thing that i always believe is the old testament is full of law right it's it's a lot of laws mm-hmm. that were written and it's the story of uh, people who are imperfect right from david and uh, jesus was born in the lineage of david where he was such a sinful man and he was not a perfect person but god chose to be in that lineage you know when that can happen a person like when god creates people like me it's not a mistake god wants you to be a a beacon wherever you are you know and that's why god makes you the way you are god created chris because of what he had planned for you and he created celia because of this plan you know and that's why i believe that god is uh, always he you know loves human beings and that's why god says that you know, love the lord your lord god and then love your neighbor as yourself and that's the most important part that we need to focus on where christians are probably saying i will love another person if the person agrees with me um, but i don't want to love this person because they are not really there <laughs> you know it's so weird um, i mean even sometimes i feel like i don't like i don't i don't love republicans because they are doing something I, or i don't love democrats because they do something no actually it is not because they are all human beings and just because of the values and choices we can't put some you know brand on put them box them in something um so yeah. i've learned to you know i've also learned to be more patient and um, mm-hmm. to me end of the day it's all about i don't want to let's say i go to heaven i don't want to go to heaven hating someone um but i would rather go to heaven uh loving someone whom people hate right so i don't want to go and say hey god uh, i look uh, i have actually i never hated um, steven steven is gay you know i never hated him. i mean i i all never loved him and i made sure that i did not like this person i made sure that he didn't have healthcare i made sure that he didn't have a job you know i discriminated this person i am so happy about it i don't think that's what we want to do as christians is that what we want to do is that is that our yeah. goal as christians i mean it's so appalling to even think about it that way which is actually yeah. what is happening today unfortunately yeah i mean we need to remember that we we have to love each other no matter how much we disagree mm-hmm. no matter how much we um might argue or debate about different areas of life whatever they might be wherever you lie on the political spectrum um you know it doesn't change the fact that the person across from you that you're talking to is still a human being mm-hmm. how do we have a world that is more accepting accepting like what do we do like how do we get there <laughs> I mean I, that's a very existential question that's a very big question but I mean you know what in your eyes how do we get there how what are the small steps that people can take to becoming more accepting I think when you look at uh, 
what is causing, if you're looking at what causes the animosity within people, it's power, money, and, um, you know, ego, a lot of ego within people. And um, so I think um, the most important, and that's why love is really hard. You know, you can't love a person unless you really, unless you really give yourself to love this person. And when I look at a world um, where there's so much of diversity within the world, there's so much of, you know, so many things happening in the world. Um, we need to have compassionate leaders. We need to elect compassionate leaders in the world because you see a lot of dictatorship. Um, why do we have problems in other countries? Why do we have problems in Africa? Because everyone wants money. They want power. Um, we have problems in North Korea. We have problems in, uh, you know, in Russia. But why? Because these leaders are being corrupt. They all want to have money. We have, uh, you know, a lot of things going on, and even in our White House here. You know, why do? How do we change? When we lose focus on what is the ultimate reason why we are here on Earth, and we start focusing on something else for short-term purpose, then that's where I think the it's it's more of you know people lack focus. We lack leaders. We lack leaders in our church. We lack leaders in our government. We lack leaders in our companies. We lack leaders even in our house. If we don't have good fathers, good parents, then we have a problem right there. I think we need to start having people who are compassionate, who are creating change within the company. I'm sorry, within the uh, whole, uh, I would say in the globe. And looking at you know how we can change and value the person. So I gave a speech only on value one day um, in one of the talks. It was about every human being has value, and when we take that value out of the human being, then we kind of devalue the person. We start losing respect for that person, and that's what happens in a lot of countries today. You know why are we having these problems? Uh, because we devalue the person, we devalue the company, the country, we devalue their economy. And that's the way people are being treated today. So when you respect people and give them the value that they deserve and not the privilege, and being a human being, we, being white is not a privilege. Being a brown person is not a privilege in India. Being a brown person who has a lot of money is not a privilege anywhere. <laughs> Or being a person, um, you know, being a man is not a privilege in India or in, in, in Middle East. And that is how people misunderstand the word of being privileged. Privilege is actually a grace, I would say. You know, it's actually, privilege comes from the privilege to help you, not a privilege from a boasting perspective, not a privilege from a savior being a savior perspective. And uh, that's why, to me, the word privilege doesn't make any sense. Um, the way I would say is, I'm born to help you because I see you. I care for you. I value you as a person. I respect you and I love you. And it's not that I'm privileged as a man to help you. Sometimes it's loosely used word. And I, it's being thrown around a lot these days. And to me, uh, I think when you start focusing on the value of the human beings, that's when we will be able to respect and have a better world um, and um, not use religion to run the world, not use religion to run your company nor your country, but 
humanity, compassion, empathy. That's the way you run your country. And that's what religion teaches you actually. But people use religion in their own way. And to me, I, um, it's not that I'm a big fan of um, the song Imagine, but sometimes it makes a lot of sense. When I, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs of John Lennon. <laughs> you know, it talks about that. But to me, when you just strip away everything and when you look at a human being and say that I still love you in spite of who you are, that is where human beings will start. Humanity starts rediscovering and re-erupting from that phase and that's what needs to happen. I think. I love that. I, I can't end on a better note than that. <laughs> I don't know how it all came, but it just yeah. came. <laughs> I mean, I was just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, I'm actually dealing with a lot of issues in India too today. That's why I think I was looking at it more globally. Um, I have all these questions and um, because even in India, there are a lot of uh, issues on devaluing people who are valuable, who are creating a change and yeah. yeah thank you thank you celia again so much for coming on i am very happy that we set aside this time i knew we would have a fantastic conversation we absolutely did that time flew by <laughs> like it, it went by so fast mm-hmm. where can people where can people find you where can they connect with you so i'm on linkedin and uh, i'm also i'm more active on linkedin um, a little bit on facebook and instagram it's uh, celia san daniels celia s a n uh, that's my middle name sandhya but i only use the first three letters celia san daniels with the s um, and you can search on google too you'll find me <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I've done so many podcasts that people just Google and find me. But I would recommend uh, also, I'll give you my email too. It's Cecilia Daniels at gmail.com. And also, you can find me on transcanwork.org. I'm one of the board members. You can find me there and also email me at Celia at uh, transcanwork.org. And I, I would love to talk to you if you're having any problems. And I'm so happy that Chris could do this. Um, I'm so happy to be a part of the podcast and, um, uh, you know, you can definitely find me uh, on, on these uh, medias and, uh, you know, please stay in touch. You know, that's more important. It's not the end of the world uh, with this podcast, but if you want to connect, you can always connect with me and, uh, you know, I would love to love to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. Celia is a wonderful listener. She wants to hear your story. I will, as always, put her contact information in the show notes. Well, Celia, thank you again. This was a blast. I, I had such, such, so much fun talking with you because I learned so much and I'm glad that we could share and connect. So thank you again. Thank you, Chris. I just feel so honored and God bless your heart and your work. Thank you. I have to say thank you so much for tuning into this very special three-part episode of the Leading People First podcast. I don't know about you, but talking with Celia taught me a lot. I learned so much about the incredible hardships that people in the LGBT community go through, as well as my own biases. We went through a whole host of topics like differentiating gender identity and sexual orientation, corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion, community activism, allyship, and the intersectionality we all have that make us who we are. We are so nuanced as people, and as people-first leaders, this requires us to look at those around us 
beyond the immediate lens and context in which we usually interact with them. I hope this conversation inspired you to take action and become an ally. If anything, I hope this episode sparks a curiosity in you to learn more. Make sure you connect with Celia. All of her information is in the show notes. She's an amazing person. Again, she always just wants to hear your story and fight for you. So make sure you connect with her just to build a connection and build a relationship with her. I'm glad you're joining me on this journey exploring how leadership affects the employee experience. Keep leading people first and stay awesome. Thank you.